Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. It's Michelle, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Michelle. How's it going? Going well. And I don't want to go into it too deeply, but we brought something else home with us from Vegas. I mean, I know we've talked so much about Vegas, Mm -hmm. but we brought something else home with us, which doesn't make me very happy. And that would be Rob got sick with COVID. So we are now, uh, yes, again, we are now going through the recovery process of that. And what I would like to share about that, and we can recap a little if you would like, but many, many episodes ago, I think it was still in our first season. And I consider Uh this season two or even season three. It's our third year. Right. We talked about how we're horrible, horrible nursemaids. And I'm sad to say that really hasn't changed. I am still not very good at that. Nope. I'm not either. I'm not a nursemaid, not in my DNA. Yeah, I'm so bad at it. We did have company visiting and JC looked over. He goes, you and Suzanne, man, you guys are not good at this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm glad he wrapped me into that. (laughs) Yeah, well, he listens to the podcast and I love it because they really do. They brought up a lot of things that we had talked about. So I know they're listening and it just made my heart happy. But yeah, yeah, I will throw myself under the bus here. Like I'm a very kind person. And when my spouse is sick, I do take care of him. I make sure he has food to eat, that he has the medication he needs, that I'm washing the sheets, I'm cleaning up, I'm keeping the dogs away. I'm trying to make it a nice area for him to recover in. Right. However, I get a little bitey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, I think we all do that. And frankly, you do a heck of a lot more than I do when my spouse is down for the count. Well, I really want to make sure he's comfortable and he is a fighter. I will say that about my husband. He doesn't ever go down easily when he's, even when he's not feeling well. Like Mm -hmm. when I had COVID back in August, I stayed in my room. I came out to eat a popsicle or to take my medicine. But other than that, I was in bed because I didn't feel good. However, he's still working. He, you know, it's tax season and he's doing tax returns for the family. And so he worked on that. And all I could think is, okay, I giving you a huge kudos for your determination to get this done and powering through it. Right. But you're touching everything in my living space with your hands. And good point. You're coughing and you're sneezing. And yeah, can't you do that all in the bedroom? Because yeah, I don't want to get it. (laughs) And I think everybody can relate to that. Well, absolutely. Everybody can relate to that. And yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, but like I said, you outdo me 10 to 1 in your how kind you are when it comes to someone being sick. Because I'm just, I don't have a compassionate bone in my body. I really don't. I'm not proud of that, but I really don't. 
But you'll ask Jeff like, hey, how are you feeling? Are you feeling better? Stuff like that. That's compassion. No, no I really don't. But in my own defense, I don't because when he's sick, he's in bed. He doesn't move. He sleeps. He wants to be left alone. I mean, he, there is no, and I actually get frustrated with that. And everyone has to heal in their own way. But I'm more, not to Rob's extent, but I'm more like Rob, where I'm, if I'm sick, if I cannot all possible do what I usually do, I do it. And it usually, you know, and I usually regret it. And I feel like crap. And, but Jeff goes to bed and he stays in bed. If it takes days, it takes days. <laughs> and he does not move. So I don't ask him how he's feeling. I leave him alone. Do you bring him water? If he wants it, but he would never ask me for it. And like I said, and he gets a little bit cranky when he's sick. He'll just, I'll ask him, do you need water? He'll say, nope. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, then I might put a bottle of water by his bedside in case he needs it later. But yeah, I pretty much stay away from him. Yeah. And that's kind of how I prefer it to be when I'm sick. I'll just go into my room and mm -hmm. I will say this when back in August again, when I had COVID, my husband, he was so thoughtful. He asked me if there was anything that I needed. And again, I had the really, really sore throat. Like I could not swallow anything. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take medicine, but those pills just felt like they were going to get lodged in my throat. So I was worried about getting dehydrated. So I said, just go to the store. Would you please get me some soup and maybe some popsicles? And he did, but he never goes to the store and does the bare minimum. He brought home like five different types of banana flavored popsicles <laughs> and funny. about five different types of like tomato soup or something just because he wanted to cover all his bases and make sure I had exactly what I wanted. And I'm like, oh. you're so sweet. So the true test is, though, how did you treat your children when they were sick? I could have done better, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was attentive and I made sure they had everything they needed. And I probably right. did, you know, go up and hug them and hold them like what they what they needed in that time. But I probably was afraid of getting it myself a little bit. But I think mm -hmm. I did OK. I would give myself like a B. That's good. That's really good. How about you? I'd give, I'd give myself a C again, not a compassionate bone in my body. I did what I needed to do to take care of my kids. I suppressed ever being upset with them or saying a crossword to them when they're sick. I kind of let them lead the way and how they're feeling. If they want to sleep on the sofa, they want to watch TV, whatever it takes to make them feel better. But again, not a huggy person. And I, I always resigned myself to getting whatever they had. I never worried about, I dreaded it because I was always the last one, especially when it was a stomach virus. I was always the last one to get it. And so I always knew that was what was facing me at the end of all of it was being sick myself. But yeah, I just let them take the lead. But again, not a lot of compassion, more compassion than Jeff gets when he's sick, but still not a lot of compassion. 
Yeah, and that being fearful of getting it, it's not something that I've experienced much before in my life because knock on wood, I have a very strong immune system. I was a preschool teacher. I was around kids all the time. And so it takes a lot to get me sick. And again, Mm -hmm. I am knocking on that wood really hard right now. But Rob came down with this and I have a trip to go on in like seven days. And I have been really looking forward to this retreat, like with all my heart and soul, I would be devastated if I couldn't go. And so, of course, my main priority is getting him healthy, but it's keeping me healthy too along the way and just putting more boundaries there, more walls. Like if he touches anything, I'm right there wiping it down. And I've taken a couple tests. I'm still negative, but you know, I feel a little, and it could be psychosomatic. I feel a little bit scratchy, a little bit stuffed up, but mm-hmm. I'm still fine. And I've never gone to this much trouble or this much effort to avoid it. Like I've never wanted to get sick, but I'm really, I'm even sleeping in another room, which I've never done before. Wow. Yeah. I would always sleep in another room if just, I only because again, he gets in bed, he goes to sleep, that's his space, and he doesn't move until he's feeling better. And that's his deal. And so, yeah, I'm not going to disturb that at all. Right. And I don't like to get, have anyone wake me up. Like, I'm not a good person to wake up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. So what I will say is when he's coughing like that, when he's sneezing, I'm just getting irritated and a little grumpy myself. So I did choose to remove myself from the situation this time, but it's weird sleeping in a different room in your house. I've never done that before where I'm in a different space in this house. Wow. I know. Hmm. And it's not that we, it's not that we haven't had like a fight or, you know, I haven't, I've fallen asleep on the couch. It's just, I've never Mm -hmm. intentionally moved into another bedroom. That's interesting. And I think that's a good segue into our next segment. I really think it is. So here we go. Okay. Okay. And we're back. And as we were just talking about, I have a sick husband at home. And so I feel like I'm grumpy. I feel like I'm not a great nursemaid. So I made the decision to go online and to see if I could find an article that would help me be a better spouse to my sick husband. And I did find one at glamour.com. And Mm -hmm. the name of the article is seven ways to take care of your guy when he's sick. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I know it's a good one. And then I'm going to tell you what my like real thought. Well, I'm expecting to hear your real thoughts going through it, Suzanne. Yeah, I'm already picking it apart in my brain and I don't even know what's on the list. But then like my afterthoughts, it'll all make sense. So the first thing that they say to do when your guy's sick is to help him with his medicine, to make sure he has it, pick it up at the store if you need to, make sure he has his medicine. Okay, let's just start here. Because isn't that kind of a no brainer? I mean, do we really need a list to remind us that that's what we need to do? Of course, you're going to make sure he has his medicine. See, lists like this just 
it's like, what? Are they just assuming we're all that stupid? <laughs> well, in my opinion, it's just making us sound like better nursemaids because we do that. And well, obviously, yeah, okay. maybe there are people out there who don't do it because it's on the list. I know, but I, or whoever's making the list is assuming or is stretching trying to find things to put on their list because that to me is a no brainer. Of course, if the person you're living with is sick, yeah, you're going to go get his medicine for him or make sure he's taking it. Duh. Okay, <laughs> okay well, let's move on to number okay. two. Make sure they have some nice soup or something that they can eat and aid in their recovery. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. But I bet you do that. So that would make you two for two, right? Right. Because that kind of goes without saying, once again, why do we need to be reminded that that's what we need to do? Of course, you're going to get them soup if that will make them feel better. If they are a soup eater anyway, like Jeff is, of course, I'm going to go and get him soup. Okay, I wouldn't sorry. got Rob. That's okay. I went and got him a milkshake once. And I yeah. am not kidding you. The first two locations I went to were out of ice cream. So I had to drive all over town to find this vanilla milkshake. Yeah. And let me just say, the man savors it. He will drink one milkshake over a period of like four days. He'll drink a wow. little and put it in the freezer, take it out, have a scoop, put it in the freezer. And it's like, just drink the damn milkshake. Yeah. I can get you another one. <laughs> yeah, you could have two. Well, so far, two for two. Here's okay. the number three thing that you should do. Have a movie night with them. Oh, so when for they're the love of God. And not feeling well, just kick back and watch a movie with them. No, but of course, in our last segment, I made it very clear that my husband is a loner when he's sick. He goes to bed. He wants to be left alone. So yeah, the movie thing is out. I'll go watch a movie by myself. But yeah, I'm not cozying up in bed with him while he's sick to watch a movie. I knew you'd say that. And I can't <laughs> wait to hear your reaction for number four. Okay. Give them a massage. Oh, <laughs> okay. I can't make this up. It was in the article. That is the dumbest article I've ever heard. But no, I'm not giving him a massage. Again, what about the germ collection? The man is sick. I don't want his germs. I'm not going to touch him. I would scratch Rob's back or like rub his shoulders if he were not feeling good. Not this time because I am really right, not wanting to want get it. it. Right. Okay. Oh, gosh. Number five, you're not going to be good at either. Empathize with them as much as possible. <sighs> I can empathize with it, but again, I'm not that person that, oh, I'm so sorry you're not feeling well. I don't do that. You're just killing me here. Okay, number <laughs> no, I'm six. Sorry. No, that's okay. I knew this list was going to go this way. Number six, yeah. make him a care package. Even if you're in the same house, put together some of his favorite things and make him feel loved. Write a note. Well, okay, not unheard of. I would consider it, except. Yes, God put us together for a reason because he would sleep through that care package and then I would probably get my feelings hurt because he didn't even notice the care package that I made for him because he sleeps through his illness. So yeah, I wouldn't put the energy into a care package. But you're so good at them. I am good at them, but I would also be irritated if he didn't notice it. And how would I expect him to notice it if he's sleeping through his illness? Well, so yeah, true. that's just, that's a recipe for failure. 
That's true. I I would put together a care package. I've sent like sweet little text messages, like I hope you're feeling better and stuff like that. And when I'm out, I check to see if he needs me to pick him up anything and might pick up something extra special to put in there. I would do that. I would send him a text that said, do you need anything? But again, he's sleeping, so he's not going to respond to my text. Okay. Well, you've been such a fan of the first six things. Oh, God. The seventh thing is coming, and it's a doozy. And Okay. Just prepare yourself. Okay. Number seven, distract him with sex. Tell me that's not true. I was just thinking in my mind, it's going to have something to do with sex. And, and that, to me, is absurd. That is beyond absurd for so many reasons that I don't even think I have to like get into, but yeah. So I read the list. I went through it. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I got like four out of seven. So maybe I, I'm feeling a little bit better about myself, but with COVID and having to wear masks and not even getting close enough to exchange air and staying six feet apart from each other and all the restrictions and the whole country shutting down, I started to look at this article and think like, what the hell? Like, this is everything that we've been told the last couple of years not to do. So I went back and I looked at the article again. Uh-huh. It was written in 2015. Oh, well. Okay. So that explains a lot. Because society has changed a lot, their view on illness has changed a lot, or their approach to it in keeping safe and healthy. And so that article didn't age well. No, it didn't. But frankly, in 2015, I would have had the same reaction to the article. I know you would have. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah, I'm looking at it. And I might have been a little bit more... Yeah, my reaction would be about the same as to where it is right now. But it does make a lot of sense that it puts in distract him with sex when we're living in the time after COVID. Yeah. Well, and I'm just going to say this once. Really, when you're sick, I mean, seriously, is it even possible to have sex? Not in my world or imagination. No, exactly. I couldn't even go there. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just move on to the next current event. Quickly. I guess this is turning into a whole episode about us not being great nursemaids and how we can be better nursemaids. So one thing I said earlier is... I'm having trouble because it's the first time I've ever slept in another room. And I'm feeling a a little bit guilty about changing my sleeping space. So it brought my attention to something that I had seen recently. And it actually involved Gwyneth Paltrow and her husband, Brad Fulchuk. And they have a successful marriage, but their marriage includes being together but living apart. So they have their days where they share a space, but when they need their own space, they also have their own living quarters. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Hello. I think it's it's brilliant because you have a split residence in Alaska and Arizona, so you've just kind of got used to that dynamic, or would you have thought that all those years ago, like when your kids were at home? Absolutely, I would have thought it. And yeah, I, in a revised 
version of what Gwyneth Paltrow does. I think Jeff and I do that very successfully. And we always have because we both like our own space. And I have no qualms about going to another room. If snoring is keeping me awake, why would I torture myself and stay in the same room with someone who's snoring? Why not get up and go to another room so I sleep better? Because if I wake up after a whole night of restless sleep because the person I'm with is snoring, I'm going to hate them in the morning when I wake up. So what is wrong with going to another room and sleeping in another room? Yeah, I don't think anything's I wrong think it about actually, it. No, but I think there is a level of judgment about it. And it's funny that you should say that because the article that I found was in MIC.com. And the article Mm -hmm. is living apart together is the new trend that might save your relationship. And they actually call it LAT, L-A-T, or that's what L-A-T stands for. So the one person, Joshua Klapow, K-L-A-P-O-W, he said, as long as both people are truly happy fulfilled and satisfied, basically, then who's to judge? So exactly what you just said, everybody has their own individual relationships, everybody Mm -hmm. knows what works for them. So it's really for nobody to judge. I just thought it was a very interesting phenomenon. Right. And the timing just seemed really good for what I'm going through currently. Right. Well, and I think that the article hits the nail on the head is that it has to be mutually acceptable. It's like if one person is not okay with it, you have to come to some understanding, some level of compromise to make it work. But again, I go back to either you grow to be similar in what you like and dislike, or you're drawn to each other in what you like or dislike and you're living how you like to live. And I think if you both are okay with being apart together, then you're good. And in my own personal example, you know, when my, when our kids were young and growing up, my husband traveled all the time. I either had to suck it up and get used to it, or I was screwed because he was gone 50% of the time. He was out of town. So, and there was a huge adjustment. I'm not going to lie. There was a huge adjustment. If he were gone for more than say like two weeks and then he came back, it was like getting back into a routine when you're with your kids, you have your routine with your kids. And then that new person comes back in after two weeks and you have to shift routines. That was a very difficult adjustment to make much more so than what we do now because we don't have other people in the mix. And I was in the same boat as you there where my husband did travel a lot also. And it was just getting used to the routine while he was gone and the routine when he got back home. And as you said, two very different routines. If he's out of town Mm -hmm. and traveling, I felt I had a little more flexibility with dinner time, with what I fed the kids, with how we organized our afternoons, with the volume of the kids like in the evening Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I completely get what you're thinking. And also being from Alaska, there are a lot of families up there who 
are slope families, meaning that the husband or the wife leaves their household for a period of two to three weeks, perhaps even longer at a time, and then they come back and they have that equal amount of time off. And so they're constantly going through that adjustment phase of being together, being apart. In my opinion, it's like, what? who are we to judge what works for other couples? Whatever's working for you in your relationship should be okay. And just, and if it's different from what you do, who cares? It's like, if it works, it works. As you said, it needs to be a mutual decision. You can't have one person preferring that and wanting that and the other person who's not okay with it. But if you're both on board, one of the positives could be you're a very independent person and you value that time and space to get done the things that you need to get done, to work on your independence, to work on your own identity. So that would be a positive of this situation. Another positive that they talk about is what if you have different personality styles? What if one of the spouses is an extrovert and the other one is an introvert? I am an introvert. I am an empath. And I really do value my quiet time. So I get that. I I get the value in that. And then the third positive that they talked about in that article is just what we were talking, sleep patterns. What if one spouse likes the room really cold and the other spouse likes it hot? What if one tosses and turns and the other one is a still sleeper? Sometimes sleeping schedules don't jive. And so those are all positive reasons to try that. And of course, where there are positives, there are also negatives. And let's see, one of the negatives that they talked about is it could hinder the bonding process. Like you may not feel as connected to your spouse as you would if you lived together all the time. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, I think we're talking about um, if you don't live together all the time, meaning you live in literally live in separate locations, and that's a that's a more drastic step where you're di- always living in different locations. Does it hinder bonding? No, I think you figure out how to make that work regardless of where you're at. Right, and there's a lot of technology there now to help with that yeah. also. Absolutely. And then the other thing they said could be a potential negative is trust issues. Oh, for God's sake. I disagree with that 100%. I think if you're both on the same page and you're staying connected and you're talking, that would alleviate some of that. But I could see a little bit where that could come into play. Mm, Well, I could see it in, but yeah, I have never had trust issues ever in my own personal situation. So I could see where it could go down that path, but yeah, I don't see that. (laughs) Yeah, no. So that basically sums up the article. Again, it was found on Mike.com and the name of the article, if you want to read it, is Living Apart Together is a New Trend That Might Save Your Relationship. Wow, it's been a full episode today talking about the positives and negatives of our own nursemaid skills, I guess. I guess so. 
So with all that shared, I just want to throw out there to everybody that we are reading the book, All Good People Here by Ashley Flowers this month. Um, It's coming along. I've read the first couple chapters and I'm really enjoying it. Have you started the book, Suzanne? I have not started the book, Um, but but I will have it read. Do you think it'll be an audio book month or you'll have time to read it month? Hopefully I'll have time to read it, but I do like the audio option as needed. I do really like that. And if I remember correctly, your April and your May are chaotic. Uh, Like you have so much on your schedule. I'm not even sure how you really have time to think, let alone read. I know. And I keep saying once I get through May, things will settle down a little bit, hopefully. Until you have to put off all those things from April and May to June and July. It adds up quickly. It does add up quickly. Yeah, it's like a a little snowball that as it rolls down the hill, it just picks up more and more steam and just full force ahead. That always seems to be the case, doesn't it? It sure does. So this week, it's your turn to pick something to sip on. So do you have a quote or something savory for us to hear? I believe in being strong when everything seems to be going wrong. I believe that happy girls are the prettiest girls. I believe that tomorrow is another day, and I believe in miracles. Audrey Hepburn. And I believe that speaks to my heart. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's a good reminder. So until next week, everyone, cheers. Cheers.